So I get the privilege of introducing our speaker for this evening. I've had the pleasure of getting to know this person for a while now. And one, well, a few things that I can say is that you're in for a treat. Um, I've loved getting to know her and realizing, wow, we have a lot in common. And she's a joy to be with. She's a joy to talk to. She's one of the most creative people I know and extremely poetic in everything she does. And she's extremely smart as well. And just a person that you would just enjoy having a meal with at any time. Um, We've gone and had Ethiopian food and... <laughs> and um, I know just because of her, her heart, she would enjoy having lunch with any one of you. And as, as gifted and talented as she is, um, that's just the type of person she is. Um, she's a people person and she cares a lot about people. So, um, I won't waste any more time because I want you to be able to experience Favor Mitchell. Y'all funny. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon, evening, it's evening time. I almost said good afternoon. Hi, everyone. Hi. So I am favorite Domily. Thank you so very much. I was so touched by your words. And I love being here. I love you all. So let me turn a couple things on real quick. Oh, let's turn this on real quick, right? I turned them both on today, too. So today we are talking about friendship with God. And I ask God a lot of questions. Um, I like to say that in the earlier part of my life, I did a lot of studying of the word. And then after that, I really wanted to experience the God of the Bible. So I know that it says that you're good, God, but now I want to experience your goodness. You know what I'm saying? I know that it says that you're loving. What does your love feel like? I know that it says that you're a father. What what does it feel like that you're a father? And so in my asking him what we were going to talk about, I'm like, you know, what have we been talking about then, Lord? And we've been talking a lot about what it means to be God's friend and what it means that God is our friend, right? And so... In order for me to understand what kind of friend God is, I went to the word, and I, um, I, I don't know if you guys would agree, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. So anything that he was, anything that he did is how God is, 100%. And so I was like, well, Jesus, what kind of friend were you? And so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. I have a couple of slides. I'm going to be telling a couple of stories. Please and thank you. Please, please, please feel free to talk back to me. Uh, I, thank I need that right there. Yes. I don't want to feel like stand-up comedy. Um, So, yes, I need definitely it's a conversation. Um, So I want to let you know that I've been doing a lot of thinking and I've been searching for where Jesus was a friend. 
and specifically how he brought himself into the lives of these disciples and how he demonstrated friendships. And so I went to the scripture, John 15. That's where we're going to be tonight. (laughs) I went to John 15, um, and then I scrolled back just a little bit and read about the Last Supper. And, you know, to give you some idea on the backstory, he had just made the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and they were staying in the house and he'd washed all of his disciples feet. And then they were all around the table and he started sharing his heart with his disciples. So he was a servant first and then he started sharing his heart with everyone that was at the table. And I thought that was really profound He set the tone for how the disciples should treat each other. Almost everything he said was, okay, I'm doing this, so should you treat each other. He began to refute Peter's claims that he's going to go with them until the end of the age. Peter was like, I'm going to ride for you. I'm going to rock with you, Jesus, forever and ever. And he's like, you're going to deny me before the night is over. And I still love you, but you're going to do that. And so he refuted Peter's claims, and he told them, I'm going, but there's a friend that's coming that's going to be even deeper, even closer to you. And he referenced the Holy Spirit. And then he got into his dialogue about being the vine and then being the branches. Literally, he said, I'm the vine. I'm the life-giving, sprouting vine. And you are the branches. You're literally a part of me. And you don't have to search anywhere else. You don't have to search anywhere else to get any kind of sustenance. And, you know, it did say that one part where it was like, if you, you know, if you, those who are apart are burned. But the good news about God is that none of us are apart from him and he doesn't make it really, really difficult to be with him. You know, he doesn't make people jump through hoops. He doesn't make us give him his, our social security number backwards, spoken three times and then record. He, he doesn't make us do all that to be with him. And so he's sharing his heart with his disciples. And even Philip asked, okay, well, just show us the way to the father and then we'll know how to get to wherever you're going. And he was like, Philip, don't you know me by now? Haven't you seen me by now? Like when you look at me, you look at the father. And what I love about Jesus, I, um, in worship school, there was a Melissa Helser. She said something that really rocked me and helped shape some of the things, some of the ways that I saw Jesus. She said um, that Jesus said to her, if you give me back my humanity, I'll give you back yours. A lot of times we look at Jesus and we think he makes these perfect statements just like that devoid of any emotion. But he's always... He's present and he's live. When he wept, he really did weep with, you know, at Lazarus's funeral and then knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus back up. And so, you know, in his talking and engaging with his men, his heart was wide open, even knowing that Judas was going to betray him. Let's, that's a side note right there. Okay. Let's talk about that. I know that I am guarded when I don't fully trust someone or trust someone's actions, I would be really guarded or I'd be saying a couple of things and then Judas, you can sit over there. Judas was right there too. And he kept on sharing his heart to the full. And that just painted this picture of vulnerability that I want to know more in him where he's not afraid of giving his whole entire heart, right? So I'm going to actually get to the scripture now. Um, We're going to look at verse 15. So he'd been doing all of these things. He'd been talking to them. And then he says, 
I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. I must continually, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. Are you seeing the reference too with the little love spelled out with the L-O-V-E? And then the words that we're talking about. So what's beautiful is after he's sharing his heart and after he's, he, he's pretty much demonstrating love, he's telling them, y'all, I love you so much with the love that the Father gives him. And the love of God is so very specific. It's so very tailor-made to who we are, Right? It's like the way that Domily gets love is not the same way that I get love. It's not the same way that Joel needs love. It's so specific to who we are. And so he's saying that I love you. I've taken, I've seen that love from the father. Whatever the father did, Jesus did it because he was seeing what the father was doing. I see that love and I'm giving you that same love and let it nourish your hearts. I heard someone say, and this was totally erroneous, but it's okay, I had grace for them. I heard someone say that, um, it was Jesus' grace, that you cannot love yourself. He said that. And he said that in this, in this setting where, you know, it just, no, a lot of people just, you could see the room disconnect. It wasn't a church setting. It was, he was a Christian, but we'll get to the story. He was a Christian, but I feel like there's a level of God's love that is going to be coming to him in the name of Jesus because he said you can't love yourself because you don't have the capacity. But right here it says you must continue to let my love nourish your hearts. And so with his love is we love ourselves once again. And so he's talking about love and he's like, he's like, just as I've kept my father's commands, you know, you do that now, right? And so, let's see, 12. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is happening to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's happening to me. For the greatest love of all. <laughs> Lady to love yourself. Anyway, that was flat. Um, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. So it's almost like Jesus is doing a foretelling of what will happen. And he told them, guys, I'm going to a place. I'm, I'm leaving. Something's going to go down. And they're not quite connecting everything because I think they might have had more of an earthly kind of your kingdom is coming here in the way that we've seen it before. And he's like, listen, something's going down. He's, he's trying to tell them that. And at the same time, he's living out the kind of love, even for Judas, I want to keep on pointing out Judas. He's living out the kind of love that he's getting ready to demonstrate for the entire world. And so when we think about the love of the father, also, we think for God so loved the world, you know, it's a key. Everyone has it on their keychain and on their Bible and on their footnotes and on a bumper sticker on their car. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? And so we're talking about sacrifice. But in our talk about sacrifice, 
it wasn't that kind of sacrifice where it feels obligatory. You know what I mean? You can feel when someone is sacrificing for you and they're letting you know left and right, front and center, every time you talk that they are sacrificing for you. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, oh, well, you know, I had something to do when you called me, but because I love, and you were like, please, don't even do it anymore. Just, it's okay. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't feel that kind of love, but it's a different kind of love where it's almost like he's glad to do it, where the sacrifice is a willing one and where the sacrifice is one, again, where his heart is open wide and he is availing all of who he is to his disciples. It's like he's giving them all that he has. And so he says, let's see, and this greatest love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his love for his friends. Boop. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I've commanded you. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. So let's, let's, let's break down that first part. You show me that you're my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. A lot of times when I, when I read the scriptures, when I think about Jesus, every time he spoke, I want to say up until now, he talked about servant-master relationships, right? And so, you know, like the kingdom is like a servant who, you know, planted one planted five of the talents, not in the ground. One used five, one spent five of the talents, one spent three, you know what I'm saying? Or the kingdom was like a servant who got all of his debt paid off and then came back at the other servant with a not right heart. And so, you know, what I see here, he said, you show that you're my intimate friends, though, when you obey all that I command you. A lot of times we approach relationship with God strictly from the servant place when he's saying you show that you're my most intimate friends when you obey all that I command you I want to propose to you guys that a friend doesn't just do what they're told a friend does more than they're told I want to propose to you that the way a friend does something for another friend comes from a different place that's not just begrudgent servitude. I want to propose to you that when a friend does something for you, it has another, it comes from another area and another piece of your heart that isn't just actions, but it also engages the heart. And so it was really wonderful because up until now, from what I understand in the word, from what I've been reading, they've had this paradigm where servants do, servants do, servants do. And now he's shifting all of that and saying, oh, friends do, but friends don't do from a place of, oh, let me do. They, they have a relational connection and therefore they're going in and they're connecting and, you know, moving and behaving from that place. And so here's another part that really, really was interesting to me. I have never called you servants. 
So I read this one in the Passion Translation. Um, I grew up reading definitely NIV, NLT, all other versions. And when you read other versions, it will say, you know, I no longer call you. And that's translated what I found in the Greek. But in the Aramaic, which is the original language that Jesus spoke, he said, I never called you servants. Blew my mind too, right? I was like, so was it, it was, because I, I remember asking him, Jesus, was it ever your intention for us to come from that place? And I wonder, where did it come from then? And I think about back in Exodus where God was like, you will be my people and I will be your God and you will be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging for my own pleasure, right? He was saying all of these things to them. And then there was an opportunity for them to go into the cloud with God. I mean, with Moses, Moses was going in and he was like, okay, come on, let's go. And they were like, no, Moses, you go ahead and go and you tell us what he wants. And so there was this separation and there was this, you just tell us what to do. Whereas God was trying to tell them who they are. And so from this area, you know, there's been, and I've seen it throughout scripture okay, scripture, like tell us what to do, tell us what to do, tell us what to do. But that was never God's intention. That was never in his heart. That was never in his heart for us. And so he's bringing it all the way back around and saying, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. And so I want to pause there just a little bit. Yeah. Just the goodness of God that he would tell us what he's doing. Just the goodness of God that he wants to include us in his goings-ons, right? Goings-ons, yeah. Like, he's the God of the universe. He set this whole world and all the planets and all the galaxies in motion. And he wants to get us in on that and have us understand what he's what he has going on. That he literally put on a body for us to be able to relate to him. I now call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. See, Jesus didn't hold back at all. He didn't hold over their heads that he was God and they were not. He called them in and on his last night with them, I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Literally, his life was a portrait of who his father is. That's just astounding to me. So, once again, I'd like to reiterate that obedience then was always meant to come from a place of relationship. There's a different kind of obedience that you have. When your friend asks you to do something... Versus when your boss asks you to do something. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen up in here? Like, you'll do it. You know, if you're, you know, you do it. But, (laughs) well, right? But there's a different kind of sense of urgency, I would want to say. There's a different response that you get from a friend versus a boss. 
And I hear Jesus saying in this passage, I've always wanted to be a friend. I'd never just wanted to be a taskmaster. So I want to take a look at what Jesus's friendship looks like. I'm going to tell you some more stories too, guys. Take a look at what Jesus's friendship looks like based on the based on the text and also based on my own experiences, based on who I know him to be. Because how many of you know that it doesn't matter how much I read the text letter for letter, have it in Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, any other language too, that, you know, Egyptian, hieroglyphics. It doesn't matter if I read that and I don't actually know the God of the Bible. Like, I feel that there are many of us Christians who have a head knowledge up here and then think we know the God of the Bible. And I've used this illustration before, but it's like me reading someone's tweets but never having read, met them, right? I can read their tweets and quote them till a blue in the face and say, on January 16, 2006, Oprah, you said this? I have never met Oprah. She doesn't know I exist, right? I've never met her. She's never met me. And it's not until we have a face-to-face encounter with the God of the Bible that we can really, that one, no one can shake us. No one can shake you out of an experience. No one can shake you if you're like, no, I literally met with God yesterday. We had a cup of tea. No one can shake you out of that if, that was, if that's true, when you, when you really lock into the personhood of who God is. And so I'm going to tell you some stories. First, we're going to talk about what friendship with Jesus looks like. So first thing it looks like from what I could read in the passage and also my own life looks like safety. If you're going to tell me something, tell me to do something, there's a level of trust I have in you. There's a level of trust I have knowing that you have my best interest at heart. There's a level of trust I'm operating in where I'm saying and I'm understanding and feeling that, you know, you want good things for me. So, of course, I'll do this. Of course I'll go. And remember, he said, to my notes, he said, you know, you show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I commanded you. Not saying the actual action is where, is where the friendship is coming from, but the heart behind the action. It's, I'm obeying because I know that you love me and I know that you're caring for me and that, therefore, that's why I'm doing it. And so, There's a level of trust that Jesus provides, a level of safety that Jesus provides in his friendship where he'll not steer you wrong. That's why that um, song, um, King of My Heart, where that part, you're never going to let me down and singing it over and over again, even when you might feel let down. That's why that's so important, because it's establishing and reiterating that place of trust that he went to Calvary to establish. So. There's also sacrifice. Friendship with Jesus, there is sacrifice. But it's not that obligatory kind of sacrifice that we talked about earlier, though. The, oh, no, I guess I'm going to have to do this. And let you know every five seconds that I'm sacrificing for you. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a heart of sacrifice that is almost eager. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so his sacrifice, of course, it was painful. That was the ultimate sacrifice. Heaven got bankrupted on our behalf. 
right? And at the same time, he did it because he knew who we would be and he knew that he would bring us all together. Come on. I said he knew (laughs) who we would be and he knew that he'd bring us all together. He'd bring us to where he had originally intended us to be all along. Thank you, Lord. Let's give him a thank you on that. Actually, let's praise God on that. Amen. So, (laughs) um, lastly, intimacy. Intimacy. (laughs) He shared his heart with his disciples that night. He wasn't hiding anything from them. He wasn't leaving them guessing. Like, they didn't fully understand his references, but hey. He wasn't hiding anything from them, though. He was burying his heart to them. And that's something we can expect, that he doesn't want just a surface-level kind of relationship. He doesn't want just a shallow kind of relationship, but he wants a deep heart-to-heart connection. That's where we've always, what we've always been meant for, right? A deep heart-to-heart connection. And I feel that this friendship with Jesus is a two-way street, right? So here's what I want to say. Jesus modeled moving being from servant to friend right there before their eyes because it came in the door and he washed all of their feet, right? The servant of all servants don't do, you know, they might do that. The servant of servants do that. That's what I'll say. He washed each and every one of their, and back in the day, you guys, it wasn't just like, oh, I have really good rubber soles. They had animals that did things on the ground that you could step in, you know? And so it wasn't just that, oh, let's just get you some tide to like, you know, hit up your feet. No, they, he was washing their feet. And then they walked everywhere too. You get it. It's like full on pedicures out here. So he washed their feet. He became the servant, and then he told them after all that, you're my intimate friends. And he walked out friendship for them, right? And so I have a story. There was this one time, I played basketball in high school for the first two and a half years. They were kind of shady, but I played basketball. They were. I played basketball in high school, and I love lifting weights. I love shooting the hoops. I had a lot of heart. I hated running so much. I still do. I still don't very much like it. I don't. It's not fun. It's, it's, mm, help Lord. You relate? Praise the Lord. I'm not the only one. I don't like running. If you do love running, that is totally fine. And God bless you. I was not created in that way. So for basketball, of course, you have to run back and forth onto, you know, back and forth. So they're trying to condition you, right, to run back and forth. And I'm just like, I, I couldn't stand running. I would try, especially since I had a lot of heart, though, for basketball. I was on the team. I would try to give it my all. And I'd be last all the time. But it's okay, right? And so there was this one girl. Her name was Jennifer Wright. And she had finished her laps. Or actually, she didn't even finish her laps. She slowed down. And she would run alongside me. We would run these 17s too. They were brutal. That's not the point. She would run alongside me. She would run alongside me and encourage me and say, you got this girl. You got this. Come on. And it wasn't that kind of patronizing. It was like she was really stopping and walking with me and running with me. And I want to reiterate that several of the parables that Jesus told was about servants and slaves. 
And so I feel like he jumped into this paradigm that they already knew, that they were already familiar with. Israel had this long history of tell me what to do and I'll do it. He jumped into a paradigm that they already understood. And then he was running just like Jennifer was alongside me. He was running and saying, come on now. Now that you're servants, now that you understand that it's not about doing, it's about relationship. I'm running with you. I'm showing you. We're going. We're going. And he moved them from servants to understanding what friendship and relationship is. And... I feel that he's consistently doing this in all parts of our walk where we're one place. We have this one understanding and then he comes and meets us where we are. He literally did this. He came to the earth in flesh. So that's ultimate come meet you where you are, but he comes to meet us where we are and then jogs alongside us and say, okay, you need to learn a little bit about goodness. Okay. You got this. I'm going to show you goodness. Oh, you need to learn a little bit about provision. I'm going to show you. Oh, you need to learn a little bit of on earth as it is in heaven. You want me to paint the picture and tell it to you in really good word pictures? I'll do that too. And he moves us into these places where we were in one place where we're just doing things mechanically. And we're going into this relational place where we have a deeper relational kind of understanding of who he is and where he's coming from. And so... That's, that's one thing I love about the Lord. In this season, he's very much challenging me to understand who he is as friend. This isn't something I'm preaching because I've mastered. I'm not, I don't do that. But he's, he's, he's showing me what it means to be his friend, right? And we often read this passage here. You know the passage you saw just now. We often read that passage there. There we go. And we say, okay, he's moving me from servant to friend. Yes, he's moving me from servant to friend. He's bringing me into a different relationship. But I feel like he's posing another question, and he was posing another question to me. So he's posing collectively another question to all of us. When will we move him from servant to friend? When will we move him from servant to friend? Let's talk about it a little bit. (laughs) She said, ooh. (laughs) Let's talk about it a little bit. I feel that often, especially in Western Christianity, we focus a lot on what he did for us. And please do not get me wrong. Don't tweet me. I don't want to start that off. Um, Don't get me wrong. What he did for us is so amazing and so wonderful. He became, he, was, he served us in a way that nobody else could. He became what nobody else could for us. Like he became a servant so that we could even be put in the place of friends. But I feel like there's a way that he's knocking on our heart, our collective hearts, where he's saying, and now can we be friends? And now, go back to now. can you see me as a place of safety? Can you not hide yourself from me and try to do all of these things to make it seem that everything is okay when you're really not okay? Are you willing to understand my sacrifice and then also see how that plays out and willing to see my heart in the sacrifice and not just this mechanical kind of relation that I feel that we've done? 
um, in the past with Jesus, you know, where it's like, yeah, you sacrificed it all. And we kind of guilt trip ourselves. We, 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 yeah, so we shame ourselves, I want to say, instead of looking at for the joy set before him, he did it. Instead of connecting our hearts to his heart as to why he sacrificed for us, it's because he loved us. So are we willing to see his sacrifice? Can, he's asking, are you willing to have me as a friend? See what I'm doing for you and understand the heart that it's coming from. And then, are you willing to get intimate? Are you willing to come face to face? Are you willing to take off every single mask that society has told you to put on, that your mama has told you to put on, that everyone has told you to put on? And are you willing to get real? Are you willing to ask questions? Are you willing to be angry and have really flat worship in your car instead of saying, well, you got you to get it right. You got to get. If you know in your heart that you are mad about an issue, he sees it anyway. That's a little pro tip. He sees it anyway. And the beautiful thing is that he can take it. He's not like man. He's not like us. He can take it and he's not afraid of authenticity. He's not afraid to see that you are mad. Let me tell you a story. One time, it was, it was this year, actually. I was riding in my car, and I had been having a lot of financial issues. And it was one of those things where he told me to do something, and I did it obediently. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do this, Lord. You told me to do this. And then so I'm, like, looking for another, like, position to be able to pay my bills. And it's not coming. Like, doors are closing left and right. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what is this? And so one day I was in my car, and I was driving this really not fun job. Really, really not fun. And so I was driving, and I was like, well, man, God, you told me to leave my job anyway, man. And I was like, I'm trying not to get into a place of accusation with you. But this is the truth. You did tell me to leave. I told him, I'm like, you told me to. And then you also, like, I feel like you're closing these doors, and I understand that you have a plan. This sucks right now. Sorry I said it on podcast. But this is terrible. This is, I don't like this. This is not fun. I hate this. And I started getting really, really real. And my really, really real was really, really angry at that moment. And I was like, God, why would you tell me to do this? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where the next thing is coming from. Either you're a good and loving father or you're not. I was in my car driving too, so I couldn't get too buck wild. But that's what I said. And I sat in my car and I was driving. Tears started rolling down my face. And I was like, well, God, I don't know what's going on right now. But I choose to say that you're a good and loving father. Now, I'm going to sing this song to you. And I'm not really feeling it. You need to know that. (laughs) I told that. But this is my sacrifice of praise. I need to declare how good you are. And I want to tell you that I sang it with such passion and it was so beautiful and it was all the riffs. No, it was flat. It was, you are good, good. Oh. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, girl. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) oh, just, it was flat. And I had no emotion in me trying to well itself up. It wasn't one of those moments where the atmosphere was already set in my car. No. No, it was not. (laughs) And at the same time, that was a moment where I hadn't ever felt closer to God. Because I was able to do that. 
I feel like he met me right where I was. That was intimacy. He saw into me. Into me, he saw. So into me, you see. Yeah. He saw into me, and he was able to see all that was going on and all that was in my heart and all that was in pain. And so I feel like Jesus is asking, can we be friends? Yo, can we be friends? Can I be that person that you're willing to open up to even when you're angry? Can I be that person that you are willing to run to as a safety? Can you trust that I have your best interest at heart? Can you trust that what I'm doing, I'm doing because I love you. I want dreams for you more than you want for yourself. I want more for you more than you want for yourself. And so I think this is a challenge to me too. Now I think, I know this is a challenge to me too. Where he's consistently moving us from servant where, okay, I know that I do this. And I come to church on this day. And I sing my heart out at this time. And I have all these gifts, so why not share them? And I do this and do that. Where he's moving us from the mindset of do, do, do. And from the place where our heart is connected to him and connected to his, so what we do comes out of that place, right? So that we do, it's, it's a matter of having the right source, right? It's a matter of it flowing from the right spring. And not just the spring of our actions and our strength, but the spring of our heart connection to his. He's the living water. That All my fountains are in you, Carla and Pastor Britt. I've been singing that all week, and so we didn't discuss that. I've been singing that all week, that every single fountain that I have, every single spring of life, any good thing, any perfect thing in me is him. And then I'm acutely aware of the fact that I cannot live this life without him. Not because I want fire insurance, but because, from, from health that is, not because I want fire insurance, because, but because he is the vine. He is the vine. He is the one where all of our life sources are in. He is the one that we get all of our sustenance from. There's nothing outside of him. There's nothing outside of him. And so I want to take a little time today. Thank you guys for talking back with me. I want to take a little time today just to sit with Jesus, who is our friend. And we're all at different levels. We're all at different places. He wants to go deeper in friendship and relationship with us deeper in intimacy, deeper in us understanding his heart of sacrifice, deeper deeper for us to understand the safety area that he is. So I'm going to, we're going to sit and just connect with Papa God, connect with Jesus. And one last thing I want to say, the L-O-V-E, because I like to tie the pictures into the message. As you can see, there are four hands and love you were always designed to be a part of his love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You were always a part of God's heart. You were all, he always had you in mind. And so I want us to just really stew on that, really connect with that, have our own individual times with God. I'm going to play a little bit 
Pastor Brent, I would like for you to come up with me too. We're going to play for a little bit and just ask him. We're going to ask him, how can we deepen our friendship? How are you a friend to me, God? More so that, how are you a friend to me? What does your friendship look like to me specifically with specifics? Does that sound good? All right.
sticks closer than a brother. a sometimey friend. He's not a friend that only likes some parts of you and discards the other. He's not a friend that would just leave you in the time of your deepest need. He's the friend that would sit with you 
level of friendship that God extends, that Jesus has extended, that Jesus made possible for you. I want to pray for you right now. After I get this cord, yeah. (laughs) So Lord Jesus, we thank you Thank you for being the most relatable source that we can run to. You're not inaccessible, God, but you're accessible 100%. And Lord, we endeavor to know you even deeper. For those of us who have been taught that you're just sitting up high, looking down low. For those of us who have been taught that you're just a glorified sermon writer for the preachers. For those of us who have been taught that you really wanted nothing to do with us after you made that ultimate sacrifice, God. I ask that you uproot those lies and plant different seeds into our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Your friend that gives up all of his fountains, that is happy to be our vine. You're not our vine, and you're just like, well, I guess I have to vine for you guys. No, you're happy to be our vine. You're happy to be the rock that we cling to. You're happy to be our source. You're happy to enfold us back into your arms, God. And Lord, we want a taste of that, not just from reading it, God, not just from looking at it, not just from hearsay, God. We want a taste of your actual true friendship because Jesus, that is the place where we can truly love this world. If we don't know love, the love that we have to give isn't love. It's yeah, only you are the source of love, God. And so we want to know you like we know a friend. Teach us the simple gospel. Teach us the simple gospel. Lord, uproot any ideas where it's just a figment of our imagination, not figment of our imagination, but where it's just something that we've worked out intellectually but hasn't actually seeped to our heart, where it hasn't been an experience, God. Uproot any of those things, God. And we ask that you make us aware of the connection we have to the true vine that is you. In Jesus' name. Yeah. I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for coming and just come in increasing measure. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the friend that Jesus sent who say, hey, the guy who's coming after me, even better. Thank you for being the- <laughs> Thank you for being, and we're in key. Um, Thank you for being, thank you for being that friend. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you, Father God, 
for sending your son and for also enfolding us into your arms. And we want to know and be friends with not just one part of you, but every part of you, God. Help us to have deeper revelation in what it means to be a friend of Jesus, what it means, Father God, to be your friend, what it means, you know, to understand the Holy Spirit as a helper and friend, God. And we only ask, God, that we be able to be safety for others, God. That people could trust us because we know what it looks like to be in a place where, you know, we can trust you. Oh, yes, God. That we know your intimacy and so that people aren't afraid to be vulnerable with us, God. Because we can be fully vulnerable with you. And that most of all, Lord, that sacrifice, well, not most of all, but second of all, that sacrifice, they're all weighted equally. Sacrifice, we would be able to see the joy set before us, just like you saw the joy set before you, God. That there's love involved so that um, it gives pain a purpose. I think that's what Chris Valentin says, where there's this passion that drives us forward and sacrifice looks like nothing because we love so deeply, because we've been loved so deeply, God. All these things we pray in your mighty and matchless name. Amen. And at this time, if you have children. <laughs> that's the time. Yeah, you can feel free to pick them up. Ha, ha, ha.